Praise the Lord. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Imagine Sunday. We have a treat in store for you. I'm pretty excited about what's going to take place and what's going to happen uh, moving forward. We're going to be celebrating and highlighting some life groups. This is um, just an absolute uh, joy to be able to be a part of this team. I'm spoiled. I get to be able to see the, the, the testimonies and I get to be able to see the, the things that take place in these life groups and uh, get to see it on a weekly basis. And um, you are going to be able to experience that this, this, uh, this afternoon today as well. Um, our intention here today is to give you some of the wins, um, give you some of the pros of what's taking place in, in life groups. And I'm truly excited for what you're going to be able to hear today. Um, it's going to leave you, um, leave you anticipating more and leave you uh, with a hope for what's going to take place in this next semester. Um, you've already had a sneak peek into uh, Pastor Draylin and Sister Kelsey's worship in the Word. Um, can you imagine that in your home? Can you imagine having that presence of God just flow freely in your home and, and, and what you get to experience? You've got to understand something. The Lord doesn't sit in this house and wait for us to show up. You guys bring him with you. When we come into this place corporately to be able to worship and, and praise together, we're not coming just because Jesus is here. We're coming together and you're bringing him with you. That same power and that same presence that you felt in this house today, you can feel in your very own homes. You just got to invite him in there. You just got to ask him to show up. So I want you to be able to be encouraged today and see what it feels like to be able to have a life group in your home. Um, before we start, we're going to start with Pastor Mike, but before we do, um, I just want to publicly thank um, Pastor Hoffman and uh, Pastor Mike for giving my family the opportunity uh, to serve on this team. It has been an absolute joy and a privilege to be able to do so. But um, Pastor Mike, you have been so um, instrumental in starting life groups and getting, uh, getting me involved for that. I'm truly grateful, but um, kind of have a multi-part question for you here. Um, so I'd like you to, uh, why life groups? Give us kind of an understanding of, of how they got started. And I know that that had to have been a monumental task for you to be able to put that together. But how have, how have life groups impacted First Church? Um, and what do you see the future of life groups looking like? Well, I think it's appropriate to thank Josh and Marcel. I think when they arrived to First Church, we all have been blessed by the whole Blastic family. So uh, I'm grateful to be able to uh, turn over life groups over to Josh and his family. And they have done a great job um, taking it further uh, than what I was able to do at the beginning. So we love you guys. You guys are part of the family here. And uh, it is an honor to serve with you. Uh, but really, life groups, that is a New Testament. That is a biblical model. So what we're doing is scriptural. Uh, when you look at Acts chapter 2, I believe it's verse 46, there's a formula to how the New Testament church behaved and how they grew. The scripture actually tells us that they were in one accord in the temple and that they went house to house. And so I know that um, there's a covering from leadership down. And so we are very blessed to have Pastor Hoffman and Sister Hoffman as our first uh, as our pastors, our lead pastors here, they've done an incredible job casting vision. And so I believe when um, vision has been cast and, and when pastor had tasked us to uh, be able to reach what God had given him for First Church for Growth in this city, uh, life groups became a vehicle for that. And I believe it started from the head down. So when pastor cast vision, then at that point, it was in the temple. And then from there, it went in house to house. And so to every life group leader that is in this room, thank you for following the vision of the house and for carrying us through a pandemic and into the season we're in. Uh, I truly believe that Let's Imagine could not happen if life groups did not exist here at First Church. It has literally helped us grow. But I, I was privileged to help birth life groups here. And it's been a big part of who I am and, and what I believe in and uh, championing that and continuing to do that through Josh and his family. Uh, but when you look at scripture, I mean, even go back to Moses. I think it's in Exodus chapter 18. Uh, here, Moses is doing all this work and he's frustrated and he's tired. And his father-in-law, Jethro, said, man, what are you doing? You're going crazy. You're trying to take care of all this stuff. Break up the, break up the Israelites into groups and put leaders over them. And uh, I think when we look at a lead pastor, a senior pastor, oftentimes 
Churches don't grow because they put so much pressure on the senior pastor to be able to facilitate and take care of everybody and everything when that was never even a biblical model where we, we could see that the Israelites were taken care of because they were groups that were small and they had leaders over them and Moses was able to continue to lead them. And so that's what we want to do is create the environment for Pastor Hoffman to keep leading us while we help take care of what God has trusted us, which is each other. We say all the time that we're better together, but I think the church now is operating at a better capacity of not just saying it, but actually living it out. And so that is a very big piece of First Church in uh, championing life groups. And I, I've, I have so many stories I could tell you, but obviously I'm not the only one up here. Uh, but if you look at how life groups has impacted us, it's because, uh, go back to the pandemic when it all started, uh, you know, globally on how it impacted so many churches. Uh, we had pastors from all over the country call us and ask, what are you doing? Because you keep growing through this pandemic. Matter of fact, I was actually in a clergy meeting in Sterling Heights. It was myself and I, probably 20 other pastors or priests, just anyone that is a, that is a registered uh, house of worship in Sterling Heights. We meet twice a year. And he went, they went down the line saying, how can Sterling Heights help you? And so many pastors, so many leaders said, man, we need better roads. We need you to help us fight depression. We need better programs to help take care of those that are broken in our church. We can't help with the rampant growth, which you'll hear Tina talk about depression and anxiety. And you know, unfortunately, they came to me and asked me what you know, the city could do for us. And I was literally the only one that said, well, actually... Nothing. We're doing well. Our church is growing. Um, God's been moving in our services. Our people are being taken care of. And several pastors, as well as the chief of police, actually said, what are you guys doing different? So we have something called small groups, life groups. And we're able to keep everybody connected through a pandemic and keep the community going. And that's how we have grown. Yeah. Uh, and so many churches have literally lost so many people because there was no system in place to help take care of their people. And so I believe that's why the church... Uh, has grown it's because of these relationships that we've been able to forge and being able to lead and care for the church day to day and not just the sunny experience that we have and i'll leave you with one story on how powerful life groups are the future for me it's obviously as we keep growing we need more life group leaders more groups to facilitate what god is doing so as we build into the future we'll ha we'll be able to sustain the growth and not rely on just pastor often and his wife or the pastoral team even to continue to keep everybody together but it takes all of you to help all of us to reach the city and make an impact in the city right so uh one great story and i and i actually reached out to Charmin and eric vandewater earlier this morning to make sure i could share this story but our first life group we launched my wife and i launched it and again, you know, uh, small rudder, big ship, right? It's kind of the overwhelming task from a more conventional, traditional church to moving into the 20th century sort of thing. And uh, so we started our first life group. It was invite only, and we did a young marriage life group. And uh, matter of fact, it is our FC Littles, our, uh, our FC Littles, our nursery director, Matt and Chris Olson. They hosted, my wife and I taught young married. And in that awesome group, we had Eric and Charmaine who were part of that group. I didn't find this out till years later, really, really recent, I found this story out. Charmaine was telling me that actually in that season, when we had extended the invite for them to join the life group, they were contemplating on moving to Texas. Uh, Eric was looking at a career change. Um, Eric and Charmaine uh, felt disconnected from First Church, which shocked me because that tells me how many people sitting in this room even now feel a little bit dis disconnected at times that we don't even know about. And so I was shocked, but they felt disconnected. They're looking at moving. But after they went through that life group, there was a piece that came in their home, and they felt like they needed to stay at First Church, and they needed to remain in Michigan. And, of course, Eric got an incredible job. Their family's been growing. God has blessed them. And that all started because of a life group that kept them tied, and they yes. felt connected to First Church once again. The story doesn't stop there, so you can hold your applause for a few more minutes, guys. But the great story is you fast forward, and here... Eric and Charmaine have been blossoming. As a matter of fact, any major holiday, when you come through those doors, the lobby and what gets set up in here, that's all Charmaine who has grown as a leader, who has built a team and they take care of this church. And so they have continued to evolve and grow and then became life group leaders. And so now they're leading a life group. And uh, we had another great couple that First Church was blessed, of, blessed because Eric and Charmaine became life group leaders. And that is uh, Brad and Shirley Vandewater who have 
come to First Church. As a matter of fact, uh, Shirley, who was in the room, not trying to embarrass her, but her first on-ramp really to First Church was through a life group that Eric and, and Charmaine led. And that led them calling First Church home. And what ties it in sweeter is most of you don't know, but we have nine men that went to Wyoming to help build. It's a, it's a church in a day program. They build a church in one day or the best they can. And I was privileged to go. I flew in late last night. I didn't want to miss this service. Those men are still out there. And here it is that not only Eric and Charmaine led a life group, um, but then Brad and Shirley just led a life group actually last semester. And it was incredible. Like Brad's an amazing teacher. Shirley was a great host. So here we have a life group with them. And now all of a sudden I am in Wyoming in the middle of nowhere. And we are like under, I'm not a tree in the sky. It is hot. And you have Brad, Eric, and their daddy, Greg Vandewater, on a roof, roofing this church. And it brought everything to me yesterday when I was looking at that picture. That it was all possible that because Eric and Charmaine decided to call this place home because of a life group. Now you have Brad and, Brad and Shirley who are part of First Church and they lead life groups. And now there's a church at 2 o'clock. They're going to hold their first service in the building that Brad, Eric, and Greg all worked on to provide a roof. And so at two o'clock, they're gonna have their first service all as a result for me, life groups. Life groups made it possible for a church to be built in a day and so it works. So don't think that you're not important. You can see the evolution of life groups in just one family and you'll hear more stories. So to me, the future is life groups. That's how we will continue to care and build for Let's Imagine It's through life groups. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Great word, great, great examples of, of what the Lord can really do um, through commitment and through you being able to um, utilize your relationship with your brother and your sister. It's, uh, it's an important thing. But I want to introduce to you those that you don't know. Um, if you don't know Sister Carrie Vanderwater, um, she is um, an absolute prayer warrior. Um, I know that you've probably heard that term before, um, but um, she's the real deal. Um, we just got done talking about her husband and her two boys and, and her daughter and son-in-law. They're all, they're all life group leaders. Um, prayer works. She doesn't, she doesn't have to worry about her boys or her daughter anymore. She doesn't have to worry about her grandkids being raised in the right house. Her grandkids are absolutely, except for that Liam kid. He, I think he likes my daughter, so I don't know about that one yet. But other than that, her, her grandkids are absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But prayer works, you guys. But I want you, I want you to hear a little bit from her. Um, one of our core values here at First Church is prayer is our anchor. anchor. Pastor likes to say, very good, class. You're, you're paying attention. Very good. But um, prayer is our anchor. And um, Thursday night prayer, Arise Prayer, is something that has been taking place long before life groups ever even started. Um, it has been an absolute um, joy and a privilege for those that are a part of it each and every week. And um, I want you to be able to hear a little bit from her. But she has a topic that she's prayerfully thought and uh, sought over, and that is um, this semester is the necessity of prayer. And I think it is absolutely very timely. So, Sister Carrie, tell us a little bit about the necessity of prayer. And if you could follow up with some testimonies of uh, what God has done in Arise Prayer on Thursday nights. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't God good? Amen. He is so good. He never fails. He never forsakes us. He's just an amazing God. I'm so grateful to serve him. Thank you, Brother Josh. Um, yes, we've been doing prayer for many years, and really it started because we were an outreach ministry. We've ministered in jails, psychiatric hospitals, nursing homes, um, all kinds of places, old folks' homes. We've seen a lot of people be filled with the Holy Ghost, a lot of people baptized in Jesus' name. God has healed many people, but we know that God blesses us because we pray. pray is a t prayer is a tool given to us by God. And one of the things that really struck me was something that pastor said, um, I think it was last week or the week before, about how Jesus was constrained in his flesh. Um, and we can see that when we read the stories where he th hungered and he thirsted, yet he was healing the sick. But um, the thing that intrigued me was when I thought about that, I thought about us. Because, see, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
And as the temple of the Holy Ghost, we have a responsibility because the Bible says that God never goes against the will of man. So we literally have a responsibility. We need to be able or or be willing to release the Lord to the world. And one of the tools God gives us is prayer. And it's a very important thing. We should always make ourselves available to prayer because we're the conduit. We're the people of the most high God. We're the body of Christ. If we don't make ourselves available to pray, then who will? We're the ones that are supposed to know how to pray. So um, it's just a wonderful thing. And um, so prayer is one of those tools that God gives to us. So we've been praying for many years now, and we've had a lot of testimonies. One of the testimonies uh, uh, fairly recently is, um, and, and I want to preface this by saying, it's not necessarily any one person's prayer. Sometimes we get up and we feel like we need to pray in the spirit, and we don't know what we're praying for. Sure. And sometimes the Lord may open our mind and say, this is what you're praying for. But the pro- point is, we need to pray. So I remember one time we were sitting on my couch and uh, my phone made this really weird sound. And I looked at my phone and it said, please answer FaceTime call from Susan Fellows. I'm sure you know who she is. And I, and I looked at it and you know how you go to punch the button to open up the message? I went to do that and boom, it was gone. And I'm like, that's really weird. And I'm looking at my phone. All of a sudden, my iPad started buzzing and buzzing. And my daughter was there, and she said, Mom, Mom, that's your FaceTime call. Open it up, Mom. And so I opened up my iPad, and there was Sister Susan Fellows sitting in a hospital bed with all this stuff on her. And I said, Sis, do you need prayer? which was kind of a silly thing for me to ask, probably kind of stupid that I would ask her that because obviously she needed prayer. She just shook her head. And so we began to pray and we sent texts out to everybody that we knew. This prayer group that we pray with on Thursday night, we also keep in touch on a text. So if somebody needs prayer, we get it on the prayer chain. We began to pray for Susan. And I'll just never forget that. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed till we felt like the burden left. And honest to goodness, it was ours. It was ours. And there were so many of us joining in together to pray for her. And so I ended up calling her two weeks later. I knew that she had gotten, I hate to say it, the COVID. Uh, I knew that she had gotten sick. And so I called her two weeks later. And I said, sis, wow, that was something. Uh, are you okay? And, I'm, I, you know, I, I understand, you know, you called me. You know, I'm sorry you kind of got me at a weird time because it was really, it, it just startled me. The whole thing startled me. And then she stopped me and she said, I never called you. She said, I was sitting on my bed and I was, I, was, I was trying to call on the name of the Lord. She said, I couldn't speak because of all the things going down her throat. And the nurse had just come in and told her that she was dying. And uh, she was sitting there in her mind calling on the name of Jesus. And she said her phone started buzzing. And she picked up her phone and she looked at it. And my face was looking at her. And as we know, God resurrected Sister Susan. She ended up crossing over for a short time and she saw the Lord and the Lord told her, he said, you need to go back. I'm sending you back. It's not your time yet. I'm sending you back so that you can tell people about me. And do you know when she was in that realm, she could literally hear the people praying for her. She told me that. She said, I could hear everybody's individual prayers all at the same time. That's how important prayer is. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. It's a communion with God. Praise the Lord. God is so good. And so he will bring us back. He will bring us back. Amen. He fulfills his purpose and his will. There was one night two years ago. It was Thanksgiving night, and I went to bed exhausted because I had dinner for over 20 20 people that day. And I remember I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I said, God, I'm too tired to get up to pray. Because, you know, there's times God will wake us up. He will wake us up to pray. Yes, he will. In the nighttime, that's a great time to pray. We can have a great communion with God when everybody else is asleep. So I said, God... I'm so tired. And when I said that, boom, Sister Esther Spicer's face came to me. 
And as soon as her face came to me, I jumped out of bed and I started to pray for her. I knew she had been in the hospital for about four days. They were going to take her finger off, Sister Esther, weren't they? That finger right there that you're holding up. They were going to take that finger off the next morning. And I woke up at two o'clock and I noticed my sister was up and I texted her. I said, sis, we got to pray. And so we started to pray and I went to the hospital the next day and I could hear Sister, ha- uh, Sister Esther being wheeled down the hall. I kept hearing her say, don't take my finger. Jesus healed my finger. And there it is, Sister Esther. He healed your finger. And she says she woke up. She woke up at two o'clock in the morning. Her finger was in such pain. And she said, God, I need somebody to pray. And he said, that's okay. The twins are already praying. So praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We've seen people be healed. We've seen people be delivered. You know, I consider what we do a birthing room. It's like a birthing room in this wonderful hospital. God's been filling and refilling people with the Holy Ghost. It's been amazing to watch their lives grow. God delivers them from drugs and alcohol and the issues of the mind. God can deliver them in a moment. It's been just wonderful. And I'll share another story. My sister fell off a ladder. She fell off a ladder. She was pretty high up off the ground, and she's been lectured several times not to get any, on any, any more ladders. But she fell straight backwards. And, dude, she was so hurt. She crawled up to her bed. She couldn't move once she got in her bed. And uh, she dialed the phone, and we all started praying for Sherry. We prayed from 9 o'clock till midnight that night, and then we knew we were done. And I I remember calling her early the next morning. I said, Sherry, Sherry, are you okay? She said, well, I haven't got out of bed yet. And I said, I'm coming over. So I went to the house, and Kelly was standing next to her bed, you know, just ministering to her. And I walked up to her, and I said, get out of the bed. Go get your shower. And, you know, she got up. And God healed her. And she came to church and she danced before the altar. What a great God we serve. God's the God of the miraculous. You know, if we will just take that moment in prayer. If we will open this vessel up. Because we need to release Jesus to the world. He's in this temple right now. But we need to be willing to release him. And yes, when we pray, we're releasing the Lord through those prayers. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can't make this up. The best thing about this is you have eyewitnesses. You have the actual individuals at your disposal. So the moment that you hesitate and the moment you say, you know what, maybe it's not exactly true, you get to go sit and talk to Sister Esther. You get to go sit and talk to Sister Sherry. You get to go and see Sister Susan Fellows, who's still live, walking around with us as a living example because it's their testimony of what really happened. That's why it's so powerful. It's an amazing thing. Arise Prayer is a bit of a hybrid life group. Um, It's um, also open to a Zoom participation. So on Thursday nights, they have the big screen over there, and some of the most faithful individuals that we have in attendance are Brother Mark and Sister Ann Curtis. They are there every single week. They are there in prayer with them every single week. What our Zoom and what our online um, access and platforms do for us is absolutely crucial to keeping us together keeping us to be able to be committed to one another and hold each other accountable. I know without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that there is a miracle coming your way, Sister Ann. I believe that with everything in me. You see, there's there's things that you need faith for, but there's things that we have evidence for. I don't need faith that my God's a healer. I don't need faith that God can heal a finger. We have evidence of that. You see, the difference between evidence and faith is the fact of believing that God will do it. That's where we hang up sometimes, is we think that God won't do it, or we know that he can, but will he? We need to be able to have a backbone that says, God will heal you, Sister Ann. God will do it, and it's going to happen, and I believe that. Do you believe that today? I believe that he's a miracle worker. 
We can't talk about um, online groups without having Sister Bridget Neto being a part of the conversation. Um, the pandemic really tried to shut things down for us and our ability to be able to connect with one another. Um, but the availability of the online platforms um, allowed us to stay connected with one another. And um, we wouldn't have been otherwise to be able to have those communes in those, uh, that communication um, with one another without that. So what seemed like a burden at first um, has actually become an incredible blessing to us. So Sister, Sister Bridget, I'd like you to talk a little bit about what your online book club looks like. Um, what are some of the wins that um, an online life group have uh, been to you? Um, well, first off, online life groups have been a lifesaver for me because I've led life groups with him before, um, but I'm usually like this <laughs> the whole time, and he talks. <laughs> but online life groups allow the biggest introvert in the room uh, to be able to lead a life group and to be comfortable with it and to do something that I enjoy. And um, also with, <laughs> with life groups in the home, obviously, you have to clean your house. And I despise cleaning. So online life groups are great because I don't have to clean my house. I don't have to be a great host. I don't have to do anything like that. And, and I, honestly, I'm literally the worst life group leader ever. Like, I'm so disorganized. I get to everything late. I apologize to my life group members all the time. And they're very kind, and they, and they uh, forgive me. <laughs> but at least I don't have to be there until, like, right at 7. So, um, honestly, if, if I can lead a life group, anybody can. Um, one of the things I've talked to people about who are nervous about maybe leading a life group is that they're afraid their group is going to be small, and they're, they're kind of worried about that. Like, what if a lot of people don't sign up? Well, honestly, my life group is usually small. But something you said in the last service actually reminded me of this. But in Luke 5 um, is where... Uh, you know, the man got let, uh, let through the roof to see Jesus, and he got healed and was able to walk. And I was thinking about that, and the reason why they couldn't get to Jesus was through the crowd. And a lot of people, for any reason or another, can't, can't get through a big crowd like a Sunday service. And it took a small group of friends. <laughs> there, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure there wasn't 20 people on the roof with them, right? Maybe four or five, just enough to carry someone, to carry their friend's need to God. So it takes a small group to get, to bring your need to God, to be that close to you, to know what your need is, and for God to answer the prayers of somebody in your group. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be big. Anyway, also, um, I think it's been great for me to do the life group that I've done because um, it's helped me to get to know people in the church that I never would have known. I never would have known even had a common interest with me. As soon as they sign up, I'm like, yes, somebody else that likes to read. I could talk about books all day. So there's many friendships I've made that I never would have made just looking at them across the church. So I really appreciate that. One of the biggest uh, things I like about online life groups is because it also allows people who don't even attend our church to be able to attend a small group. I've had probably seven or eight people, maybe that um, don't even attend here, but over the last little bit, they've been able to fellowship and get community. I've even had a couple pastor's wives that um, pastor in a very small area and they were really really wanting that community and they were able to join you know an online group and be able to get the fellowship that they needed so it's great if you have anybody that you want to join a group but they don't even live in the same state they go to a different church or something it's a great thing to invite invite them to so one of 
Another thing that online life groups really blessed me was this last year. Most people know that we had to move into a little tiny apartment after our fire. And we didn't have the space to lead a life group. And being able to do my life group online and not have to have people come over uh, just really, really blessed me. And to be able to still have that fellowship even through such a hard time. Um, it was just one of the best things that could have happened over this last year. So that was like a huge blessing for me, for online life groups. It's great. Absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But when you're a part of a life group, or you're leading, or you're hosting, there's already a safety net built up for you tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow's going to take, but there's already a prayer team that is ready and willing to be able to go to war on your behalf. It's an amazing group to be able to be a part of. I know that online may have its setbacks with personal interaction, but what it does to keep people connected to First Church who otherwise would never be able to have a connection with us. I know that Brother Dwayne and Sister Angie right now um, are online Bible studies with a friend of theirs in Texas, another friend of theirs in Minnesota, correct? It's, uh, how is that ever going to take place if they're just, you got to travel and go see those and and it on the phone just doesn't work but to be able to have that connection and it's just such a great way and a great tool to be able to do use online groups certainly have their place and i'm grateful for them but there are some things that may be a little bit more difficult to obtain um, without being in person and uh, sister brenda lichtel is uh, a host um, to many of our life group leaders um, as well as a leader of several different life groups uh, herself over the past uh, few years. This is what I've learned about Brother Bob and Sister Brenda when it comes to life groups. Um, life groups um, create a lifestyle in you, and that lifestyle will help you develop your way of life. This is a way of life for Brother Bob and Sister Brenda. This isn't something that they just happen upon. This isn't something that they just decided to do one day. Their entire life is devoted to opening up their doors and inviting people in to be able to hear a little bit more about Jesus. People that are far from God and bringing them closer to the Lord. It's, it's a staple of their life. So I, I really would like Sister Brenda to be able to talk for a few moments about um, what the driving force is behind why you're so committed to life groups. Um, what are some of the wins that you have? And whether you lead or you host a life group, they're always full. They're consistently attended. What is it that you think adds to the success of all of your life groups, whether you host or whether you lead? Well, I think, and Mike City is going to steal this from me, so this is from me, guys. <laughs> Smaller groups build bigger friendships when you've got a smaller group you know I think life groups one of the purposes is that we can meet like I can't get to everybody at a church service there's people over here that are my friends people over here you don't you don't have that community as you do when you're in a smaller group um, in my home I want people to have a place that they feel comfortable they can curl up on my couch with a blanket um, a, it's a place where we can share. They can share things with us. Sometimes things come out, heavy things, but they know it's a safe place that they can share. Um, they know that we can pray for them. We can help carry their burdens. Um, being a host, for me, I'm not a teacher. 
I mean, I could teach you how to make pretzels or cook or clean or any of that kind of stuff. But for me, it's to take a burden off the teacher and um, that they can just, they can study, they can come prepared to give the word or whatever we're doing um, and not have to worry about the clean house or the snacks or the, that kind of thing. I... I want people to know that we hurt with them when they hurt, sure. that we're happy with them when they're happy. Yeah. Um, that's what Life Group is to me. It's, it's, a, it's a community, which has already been said, but it's a community of people that know that somebody cares about them and they fit into the body of Christ. That we, we want to treat everybody the same, whether you're new, whether you're really old. They keep saying, Sister Sailor is 92. I'm going to give an example. She came to our life group, but I was teaching a life group on learn to teach. Oh, I'm going to back up. Our first life group, let me go back. Our first life group was with Dwayne West. He asked if we would host it, and we said yes. It was on missions. And it wasn't just foreign missions. It was missions here, right where we're at. Um, he had us involved in the community. We went and helped Brother um, Pittman redo his church. We, um, we did things like that. Well, one night he was teaching a lesson on missions and we had a knock at the door and a lady came to the door and I opened the door and um, she had a flyer and it was, she'd lost her cat, okay? She, she was just, I lost my cat and we're asking everybody in the neighborhood to look for our cat and if you see it, call us. And so we said, fine. And I said, you know what? We're having a life group in our home. Why don't you come in and we'll pray about your cat? So she came into the house. Remember that, Dwayne? She came in. <laughs> And we prayed for her. It was weird, but we all did. And uh, she, when she left, she was crying. And so a couple days later, the, um, the neighbor said that they, the lady found their cat. So that was a funny thing that happened. But we don't know. Maybe someday that lady will come back and knock on my door and remember what she felt with that group of people that cared enough to pray for her cat. But this is, this is a big win for us this year. Um... We had a life group on, my husband was teaching it on Learn to Teach. And what that was for was for kind of established people in the church that wanted to learn how to teach a Bible study. So we opened our home, Bob was teaching, and the first, uh, we got a list of people, but when we contacted our people, first I'm going to talk about Mimi. This is all about Mimi and Mike. And Mimi's mom, we are so glad that they are with us in this church. These are precious people to us, very precious. And I want to thank all the people that have helped mentor them. Tina, Debbie, several, Talisha, um, have helped in the process of this in mending some brokenness, and God has restored things. But when she came, Tony, where's Tony? Okay, Tony worked at a fireplace. If I got the story right, Tony works at a fireplace place. Mimi was looking for something for a fireplace. So she went in there. Tony invited her to church, so she came. When she came, we were having, it was set up just like it is right now with all the sign-up sheets. She signed up for every life group. (laughs) Every one of them she had her name on. So none of us knew what to do. So we all sent out our little flyer, you know, we're welcome to our life group and blah, blah, blah. Well, we didn't put her on there because she was on 13 or 15 of them. So Tanisha, Tanisha had befriended her the first day and she called and she said, Bob, brother Bob, Mimi's, he said, I don't have a Mimi on my list. Well, her name is, I don't know, it's this long, Michelle Lindy or something like that. So we didn't know. So Bob says, well, she's welcome, more than welcome to come to our group, bring her. So she, she came. She came in with a lot of brokenness, and we ministered to her. Now, mind you, this was a group that we were supposed to be teaching how to teach. Well, we actually had a new person that we were showing them how to teach. So they learn by experience. You know, questions came up. Okay, Bob, what do I do? So he'd tell her, you need to be baptized. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It went on and on. She came week after week, and she was going through some hard things at home. And then all of a sudden, God just started changing things. And Mike, you are so precious to be able to just open up 
let me, me. Well, come to find out, now we're teaching Mike a Bible study. It's been week after week faithfulness in our home. He was baptized a couple weeks ago. They got married two weeks ago. God, God is so good. This is some of the things that happen in life groups. Not all the time, but sometimes. I'll take this sometimes because it's about people and it's about caring. And if you can't teach, open your home. If you don't like to clean like Bridget didn't have it, just tidy. Tidy it up a little bit. But make room for people in your life because it makes you a better person and we're all supposed to serve. We need to care and we need to share what we have. That's great. Amen. Amen. Every single one of you individuals need to experience what it's like to be able to have a Mimi and a Mike in your life. It's absolutely addicting to be able to have that kind of um, that kind of experience and that kind of revelation of what's taking place. To be able to see the Lord work, it's there's nothing like it. Everything that the enemy has is counterfeit to the joy, to the peace, to the love, to the, to the nourishment that you get inside this house. I don't care what drug it is out there. It doesn't get you as high as what you get and what you feel when the presence of God moves throughout this house. I'm not sitting here just making something up. I'm telling you because I've experienced it. I'm telling you because I know it. I know it to be true. There's... Uh, there's a, there's a lady that's here with us today. Her name is Sister Tina Wilson. Her and her husband, Glenn, have been an absolute blessing to this church since they started coming here. Amen. Most of our, um, most of, all of our life groups are interest-based life groups, which means that whatever the leader has an interest in, um, they are the ones who get to pick the topic or pick whatever it is that they want to have their, their life group about. Um, some of our life groups are game nights and family nights and, and young marrieds that are just getting started off. Some, some people just trying to, to have a night away, get away from the busyness of life. Um, but some of our life groups are geared more towards individuals and their ability to be able to work on themselves, to be able to help their own lives before they can help any of their family. What I want to talk to, have Sister Tina talk to us about tonight is, is why your group overcoming anxiety and depression was so important for our community and for the body of Christ here at First Church. Thank you, Brother Josh. Praise the Lord. Um, well, as he said, our life group was overcoming anxiety and depression. And uh, we know it's a hot topic, uh, I feel like, especially among the Christian world, because We've been convinced, either by others or by ourselves, that we should not have to deal with things like that. Um, we're Christians. We know God. He's love and peace and joy and all of those things. And, and we kind of talk ourselves out of getting help for something that's so debilitating. Um, so this life group was very important to me um, because I had experienced nine years of depression uh, every day, all day. And it was, it was really hard um, for me to maneuver through that because, number one, I was very scared to let anyone know as a Christian that I was dealing with that. So I kept it in, and it just ate away and ate away and ate away. And then finally, someone was there for me that I could just open up and be myself, which was not pretty <laughs> at times, you know, because of, of how much I was dealing with. Um, and so creating that safe space for someone to come was, was just an honor for me because I know what it did for me. Um, so opening our home, uh, having women come and let down walls every week that, uh, as I saw it was holding things in that was detrimental to them, but also keeping things out, you know, that God wanted for them, which was joy, peace, and healing and to be set free. Um, so, you know, as I said, you know, it was, it was a vulnerable place for people to come, but every week, you know, I, I saw walls being taken down, you know, they would share a little bit more. 
they would feel a little bit more comfortable. And we became very vulnerable with our stories. And, you know, some people would look at that as weakness, but we grew stronger together. Um, it was amazing, you know, to see people who, when they first came, were very downcast, you know, and then three weeks later, we were laughing, we were enjoying each other, we were enjoying life. And I believe that experience is the best teacher. And so I, I am not an expert on depression, but I declare that I'm a survivor of that monster. I'm a survivor. I'm a miracle. And so... I want people to know that what God has done for me, he will do for you. You, He's no respecter of persons. And so it was a complete privilege. And one of the things that I took away from this and and how God spoke to me about what life group really meant in in this particular one was that life group literally became life group because I saw women start their journey of living again. You know, by the end of those 12 weeks, something happened. It transpired in the lives of these people and in turn made me want to share my story even more. You know, initially, it's like I said, you're embarrassed. You don't want people to think that you're less than what, you know, you're, they're thinking that you are and, and those type of things. But when I was finally able to let down my guard was when I started healing And that's one of the things that I loved is because the women who signed up for this class, this life group, they were ready to face it head on. We didn't really know what that was going to look like. We didn't know what each week was going to hold. But the only expectation that we came with was that Jesus was going to show up every time. And he did. We cried a lot of tears. We prayed a lot of prayers. We laughed together. And we became stronger together. Um, And I loved that. And it was an honor for me, you know, to host so many women who were literal survivors. And I tell people, you know, I went from not wanting to live to loving life. And only God can do that. Only he can do that. And I'm so grateful for the people who allowed me to be broken in front of them so that I could be healed in front of them as well. Um, So please, you know, don't feel ashamed if you're going through something. There's someone out there who's been through it, who's going through it, who will face it. Um, Have compassion. That's one thing that I took away from being so down for so long was I have to have compassion for people because if you have not experienced it, you don't have a clue as to what a person faces on a daily basis. And so from that, I brought away compassion and no judgment, no whatever, because sometimes you can't explain your situation. It's just there. And so you deal with it. And so open your hearts, open your minds, open your homes to people that will come and find life. They really can do that. Um, And just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to face the issues. Um, It has to get out there to be dealt with. And that's what I loved is, is those women came ready to handle their business. You know, it was awesome. So that's what I love about it. That's great. Amen. There's outside as you leave today, you'll be able to see balloons and, and life groups, signups that are taking place out there. Um, but you can also go to firstchurchsterlingheights.com and you can sign up for a life group there. Um, your name doesn't have to be put on a piece of paper for everybody to be able to see. It's private. It'll be between you. Um, it'll be between you, actually myself, and your, your group leader. Um, we'll be the only ones that we'll even know until you show up to your life group. And you can realize that there's people in that group that are there for you because they've either dealt with it or are still continuing to deal with it. It is so much easier to deal with things when you're growing together with somebody else who's in the same situation as you are. Does that, does that make sense? I bet you, I probably shouldn't bet, but I think that if given the opportunity, every single one of those individuals that were in that boat would have probably got out and tried if they were given the opportunity because they saw somebody in front of them do it once already. 
There are so many people in this church that have life testimonies and life experiences that you are going through right now, whether you're sitting on these pews or you're watching us at home. There are real life examples of what has happened in their lives and you can overcome it. You can beat it because there are proven examples in this house today. Feeling the need to try and recreate that first for someone else is incredibly addicting, if you, as you've heard me say before. But we have an individual here named Barry that um, his, many of our conversations in the past have been all the firsts that Barry has experienced at First Church. Being able to experience something for the first time is, like all of you know, a new experience and you enjoy it. But um, I want to hear from Barry today a little bit of what it's like to be able to experience this, experience life groups for the first time, experience the, the, the community here at First Church for the first time. So Barry, if you don't mind, could you um, tell us a little bit about uh, the firsts at First Church and some of your most memorable moments in life groups? Absolutely. Um, First, I'd like to thank the pastoral team here and the entire church body um, and allowing me to sit up here with this panel. Um, obviously, I respect every one of them, and, I, I, and it just overwhelms me to be sitting up here with all of them. Um, but for me, Life Groups uh, was one of the things that came about as a first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that word a lot because <laughs> that's my subject today is firsts. Um, and it's fitting being that this is first church. Um, so th- there was a lot of things that happened initially for me to come to church. Um, the first time I walked in the doors, I was treated like family. I felt like I was at home. The first time I talked to some of the pastoral staff, I felt like that I had known them my entire life. Uh, the first day of my Bible study with Pastor John and Sister Talisha, um, I, I was immediately in a world that I felt comfortable in. Um, and so none of that would have happened if my wife, Donna, would never have brought me on that first day. <laughs> so that's where my story is going to start is all the way back then, but it's going to be brief. Um, I won't talk a lot about it, but... Um, a lot of things happened. I was baptized. I got the Holy Ghost. Um, I've had a lot of uh, firsts happen here. Um, some of you may know that uh, I was having knee trouble and was told that I was going to have to have a knee replacement. Um, I was here on a Monday night um, almost exactly eight weeks after I was diagnosed, and I declared on Monday night prayer that I was going to be healed and that God was going to heal me. Um, I was on my knees that night. Yep. Almost eight weeks later. I have not had one day of pain since then. Amen. So I'd like to thank God for that. Um, So we'll get back into the life groups now that we've we've covered all of that, Um, my history and my background. Um, So I want to thank Sister Lichtel and Bob Lichtel um, because I actually, my first life group was at their house. Um, and Brother Bob was hosting it, um, and so and he was teaching it as well. And my first initial impression was, okay, I, I, I don't really know anybody, so how do I do this? Growth track lead it, led me to life groups. Um, Brother Josh led me to them. Uh, I want to thank him for that. And uh, so we got to the point where life group semester came up and I was like, okay, so what do I do? What, you know, so I look at all the sheets just like all of you did. And I found one that was like, oh, hey, this is uh, probably something I'd be interested in because it's an interest that I have. And uh, so I signed up for it, had no idea what I was in for, no, no clue what I was in for. And when I got there the first night of meeting, I got there and it was just like me sitting at every stool, every table, every chair in the house that was there. I think there was probably 10 or 12 of us there. And uh, I felt at home. I, it was like I, was, I walked into my own home. It, it just felt natural. It felt comfortable. And uh, the subject matter, uh, I don't remember the exact title of it. Um, it might have been uh, what I'm going to say, but uh, it was basically a life group of God and guns. 
So, <laughs> as you can imagine, um, you know, being a veteran, I, you know, I, I've always owned firearms or you know, pretty much most of my life since then. Um, so, it was something that I had an interest in. So, I thought, why not, right? We'll, we'll try this out and gives me the opportunity to meet people that share the same. I was overwhelmed that there were that many people in a church community that liked guns. <laughs> so... It was surprising, it was overwhelming, but it was fantastic. It was one of those things. From that point on, after that life group, Josh asked me every semester, you should be a life group leader, you should lead a life group. When are you gonna lead a life group? And so finally I had, um, I, I'll, I'll call it an intervention. Uh, you know, God led me to a, a way that, um, as, as I have always been, I like to teach things that I know. I will share my knowledge about anything that I know with anybody that asks or people that don't. Um, and so I told Josh, I said, all right, I'm ready. I said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open my garage at my house, which I hadn't had for many years and I finally have again. Um, currently had a project that was in the garage that I was working on that allowed me to share some knowledge about automotive technology, um, give some hands-on experiences, uh, probably not very many people of you have ever seen a motor out of a car torn apart on an engine stand. Um, but I had that in my garage because that's what I was working on. And so two of my youngest members in the life group um, were there and uh, Ryan Gibbs and Cruz Pacheco um, were there and the the, the enjoyment and, and the happiness that I got out of teaching them how to use a tool and to see them get their hands dirty, oily, and be able to take the motor that I had completely torn apart and put pieces back onto it again to the point where I could crank it manually on the engine stand with a ratchet so they could see how the motor works internally and everything moved and, and shakes. So they could see that and just the looks on their faces, the awe that they had, even brother John got his hands dirty, you know, and, and you know, he, he had dirt under his fingernails. I can attest to that and I will. I know he works with his hands, but it, it's, it still is a different animal. But we had fun in, in, in the enjoyment that, that those younger people had in, in experience that is something that just made me want to continue to do it. And I will continue to do that. And, this semester, I'm doing it again. It's a fall life group semester. I will do it every year in the fall as long as I am physically capable of doing it. And so that's just where it came for me. A lot of firsts, um, and, and I'm gonna backtrack a little bit because I gotta share this story. Brother Ron, I know you're back there, and I wanna thank you too, because some of the firsts that I had came from that first life group that I was in. First, uh, you know, impressions. Um, they invited me to go to the cabin hunting. I had never been, never been hunting in my life. Um, I, I was overwhelmed. I'm like, I gotta get this, I gotta buy this, I gotta go do this, I gotta do this. And so I, I asked my beautiful wife down, I said, I said I, I, if I go hunting, I gotta do all this and I gotta leave for a weekend. We were newly married, I had never been away after, since, you know, from her that, for an entire weekend. And she just goes, okay, and that was it. And so I got all that. And it was an amazing opportunity for me, something that I had never done. Again, a first for me was knowing that there were so many people in the church that hunted. Um, but on the very first hunting trip, on the very first night, I shot and killed my very first deer. That's three in one day for me. Those experiences are never gonna be taken away from me. Those firsts will always be there. And that stemmed from that first life group. So I praise God for that, and I thank him every day. And uh, that's my take on it. So join a life group. Yeah. Amen. He was, he was beating me up there a little bit, saying I was hounding him every single semester. I don't, maybe I was, but when you, when you can pick this guy's brain for just a minute, every single one of you would have been doing the same thing. So you know what he, you know what he brings? He, he's going through the toolbox, and he sees this wrench that just looks like anybody else would look at this thing and just, what is this, and throw it away. There's a picture of it out there on his life group. His life group is called Broken for a Purpose, okay? 
Just that in itself can preach, and it's powerful. But this, this wrench was broken and re-welded, correct? This wrench was broken and re-welded for one job only, for one specific purpose only. It had to be able to get into a really fine, close-knit area. A regular box-end wrench wouldn't fit. One that you can just get at any store, a dime a dozen, they just wouldn't fit. This one had to be specifically cut and broken and re-welded back for one purpose only. But it still went back into the toolbox. Every single one of you in your lives have been broken at some point in time. But there's a reason for it. You're not just beat up and bruised and broken and battered for no reason whatsoever. You have a purpose. And God has that ability to be able to show that to you. You may be a life group leader. You may be a host. I don't know what it is. But you are specifically designed for this day, for this generation. And God has a purpose for you. Are you willing to find it? Don't just sit there and sit back on a pew and say, I want to grow. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. You need to grow. But at some point in time, the moment that you start to sit back and relax is the moment that somebody needs to stick their finger in your face and say, come on, let's move forward. Let's go and use that God-given purpose that he's given you. I want to share something with you real quick. But if every single one of us can accept the personal responsibility to share their story with someone else. We oftentimes look at our story and we get sad and we get upset and we're embarrassed. I don't always want everybody to know everything that took place in my life. I don't wanna be able to expose everything that I've ever done. That's the dirtiest looking water that you could ever, you could ever imagine. I don't, I don't want people to know that about me. But in John chapter five, verse five, there's, there's a lame man that is laying there at the pool. Jesus comes by and he says, he says, okay, and Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there a long time with that case. And he said unto him, wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered and said, sir, I have no man that when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but I am coming another one steppeth down before me. So he's not able to get his healing. Jesus saith unto him, rise, Take up thy bed and walk. Jesus, in that moment, he, he touched him and he healed him. But on the same day that that took place was the Sabbath day. So Jesus knew good and well what day it was. So when he told that man to take up his bed, he knew that he was putting a burden on that man. And at that moment and that day, on the Sabbath day, it's against the law to carry a burden. You can't do that. Their law would not allow you to be able to carry a bed or work or, or do anything along. It's a day of rest. So in that moment, Jesus had literally put him on display in front of every single individual that he passed. Everybody knew that that was the lame man. Everybody knew at that moment and at that time that he was lame and he, he was the one who was laying next to that pool. He very easily could have said, you know what? Rise up and walk. And he would have been able to have stood up. And he would have been able to walk through that crowd and nobody would have known who he was. Nobody would have had any clue that he was sick. Nobody would have had any clue that he was lame. Nobody would have ever known, other than maybe the people he shared it with, that God had touched him. But when God told him to take up his bed, some of you have a past that you're scared of. Some of you have a past that you're trying to hide. You don't want to pick up that bed and let God receive the glory for what he's done in your life. I encourage you today. Allow God to be able to use whatever it is that's happened in your past for his glory. Can you imagine if God would have told Sister Talisha, rise up and walk? We wouldn't have FC Heart. Can you imagine what would have happened if God would have told Sister Tina, rise up and walk? We wouldn't have overcoming anxiety and depression. Can you imagine what would have happened if God would have just told Barry, rise up and walk? Don't worry about telling anybody about that healing. We have FC because 
We have FC Heart because Sister Talisha takes that bed up from her past and puts it on display for everybody to be able to see. And God receives the glory. What is it? Do we just, is it Japan? Is that what just started? FC Japan? So how many countries is, is FC Heart in now? Three different countries. Countries. We're not talking about local churches or local movements. We're talking about countries because somebody decided to take up their bed and walk with what God had blessed them with. Every single one of you have that opportunity today, and I encourage you, be a part of the church, be a part of these life groups, and let's see what God's going to do with us moving into this next semester. Pastor Mike. Fit into, let's imagine, as we celebrate all these stories, well, with, the, with those of us that are up here, as well as all of the life group leaders that are out here, we have been able to care for 350. You know, we've hit 400 a couple of times, but care for 350. The only way it's going to work for us to hit six and 700 for more life group leaders to be developed and Amen. for the vision to carry on. This city deserves a church that will care for them. And so I want us to stand real quick. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to close with one story as Pastor Hoffman gets ready to come up here and Pastor Jalen's going to uh, play something for us. Uh, I think it was a couple years ago, Jen showed up on our doorstep at this church. She had this cute little daughter, Pepper. And I'll never forget, right at the start of the pandemic, uh, virtually we were only online. And so... We started leading life groups online. We couldn't gather for the first semester. That first semester is strictly online. And that's how I built a relationship with Jen and Pepper was through an online life group. It was on, I think, the book Ephesians. And from there, this guest that was in the room that came to find First Church, all of a sudden started building relationships online first. And then the doors opened again. Then she came through the doors. Then she started building more relationships. Then she joined the worship team, built more relationships. And so today, unplanned, Pepper is going to get baptized. And this is a product of what Life Groups will do for a family that comes through the doors that need this place. And so as Pastor Jen begins to sing here in just a moment, we're going to celebrate with Pepper as... Uh, our FC Kids Director, Tiffany, is going to baptize her. And we're going to celebrate with this family because this is a product of what life groups will do for a family that is broken and now is made whole. So as she goes down in the name of Jesus, why don't we begin to worship and sing for a moment.